How's it going, everybody? It is once again me, Chewy, one of the hosts of the podcast titled Expert in the Myths Behind the Legends. And I am once again joined by my good friend Monica. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, Monica, a new location for tonight? Yes. I'm currently dog sitting slash house sitting for a friend. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm raiding their fridge and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they left me a little gift, so um, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Nice, awesome. That sounds amazing, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm still at home, so. Same old, same. Old. Yeah. <laughs> I like my surroundings. This is my man cave. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, Monica, what is the movie that we're discussing today? By the way. We watched Suspiria, but the was it 2017? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, 17 or 18, I think, actually. Okay, 2018 version. Yeah, which, uh, very interesting. I really liked it, also. Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll, we'll give our, our, I guess, first impressions in a minute, but before we do that, let's go ahead and remind our listeners of our social media accounts. So, we have our Facebook under Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends, and we have our Instagram under Myths Behind LGDS. Our Twitter is Myths Behind LGDS, and you can also email us at MythsBehindLegends at gmail.com. All right, so I wanted to make an announcement. We are bringing back our Linktree after a long absence. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Linktree basically is a page in which you can publish all your, your links. So we have on that Linktree profile our podcast profile, the YouTube channel, the TikTok, etc. So everything's on there. Our online store, too, if you want to buy a shirt or a coffee mug or something by all means go ahead and do that and the address for that would be it's a little weird it's uh, basically linktree.com slash myths behind lgds but if you type that it just redirects you to but but i mean that, that if you type that in your browser that you you'll get to where you want to go so <laughs> I'll, I'll just give you that link because i can give you the long one and it's just weird <laughs> but once again, it is linktree.com slash myths behind LGDS. And like I said, you can find everything under our TikTok, our letterbox, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, etc. You know, everything's on there. So, huh? I said all the socials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, we also need to remind you of our website URL, which is under myths hyphen behind hyphen legends.mailchimpsites.com Woo! Nice. Alright, Monica, so first impressions, just a, a couple of sentences. What caught your eye from this version of Suspiria? Uh, there, uh, there was uh, some uh, lesbian stuff going on, you know, like some gay love. Um, and also... It's based on a completely different timeline, but I couldn't figure out if this was like a backstory or just like a completely different take on mm-hmm. on the movie. Because it still had some of the same like things, like ideas, but this one was more like focused on like the culty stuff or like the coven thing. So I don't know. I I really liked it. Alright, so I was kind of torn in this version. I liked some things about it. I didn't like some things about it. 
Uh-huh. Overall, I, you know, I, I would recommend you watch this if you want to. That's my dog, my my friend's dog. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's a ghost. This house is haunted, by the way. I forgot to tell you that. Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, oh yeah, I, I was saying that. <laughs> I like things about about this movie, and I didn't like certain things about the movie. Yeah. So I would recommend people watch this if they want to see a completely different version of the original story. I, I thought it was completely different. Uh, some of the things that like you mentioned are the same yeah. as far as the characters and stuff like that. I think most of the most of everything else is completely different. But I mean, we'll get into that in our critique segment, which is coming after these messages. Okay, everyone, so we are now at our critique segment in which Monica and myself talk about the cinematic qualities of the movies, so the shooting, the soundtrack, the plot, the acting, etc. Right, my friend? Yes, sir. Okay, so I'll give you the honors. Uh, You mentioned that this movie is different from the first, so how so? Please elaborate and enlighten us. (laughs) So, the, the original... I don't think anything was mentioned about like political stuff or anything like that. This one had like the whole Berlin, you know, I was it during the Berlin fall, like the Berlin wall um, well, thing. It's in the seventies. And, and I, if I tried to remember my history correctly, they had a rough time between at the end of world war two and the forties, Berlin was split between the allies and Russia. So that's why they had they built that wall, that, that the the wall in Berlin. Yeah. And for the next roughly about forty years or so, they had a a rough time. So it was kind of like they were trying to, because half of Berlin was communist and half of Berlin was uh, allies. So I guess that was the backdrop of that movie. And I agree with you. I don't think the first one had anything concerning politics at all. No. Yeah, I'm kind of like. <laughs> already forgetting what the first what happened in the first one like or how it was but because so it's the same director right uh dario argento well it's a different dude but allegedly dario argento gave his blessing at first uh-huh and i was gonna say this so uh, towards almost the very end but allegedly he wasn't a very fan of the end result he didn't like it of the new one really yeah, yeah. i liked it because it did have a lot of like, dude, it was gory. I mm-hmm. think this one was a lot more gory than the original. It was interesting because like it, it kind of shows that the main the protagonist, Susie, Susanna, is in tune with like this whole dark element or whatever that these ladies are like doing or involved with. And then um, she's somehow able to channel 
all that energy or something and then also hurt those people that the witches want her to hurt by doing this dance which is kind of i guess the whole thing it's just like a ritual Mm -hmm. these symbols and like dances that they're doing is literally to gather up magic or whatever to you know use that power for whatever these ladies want and we're seeing it as like oh it's just performance art but whoa actually they're hexing people and (laughs) doing all this stuff while this stuff is going on it's much deeper that's what i liked about it that it was um there was a lot of symbolism and a lot of like they use something that that is art and 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 like combined it with like these dark forces and it was really cool Mm-hmm. So, for, for my part, I would say that it's a different experience visually, for sure, because the first one had all these psychedelic colors and angles, camera angles and all these things. This one had a lot of darkness, there are scenes that you can't really even see what's happening. Yeah, that's, that's Because true. they're so, like, literally, it's dark and, and it's the way that it was filmed, but also in its subject matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The colors are all muted. They're all like dark grays, and, and it's raining all the time, and it's it's just yeah. it looks like a really gloomy picture. Mm-hmm. Some of the weird angles were used, especially in the beginning, but after that, they they kind of just did their own thing. They they I guess they may have done that as an homage to the first movie. I think so too. When she yeah. first got there, they kind of do an open shot of her walking up the stairs, and it looks kind of open and and weird. And then after that, it kind of just did did its own thing. Mm-hmm. But. The other thing that I want to mention is, like you said earlier, that there's a lot more stuff and that's brought to the foreground. The dancing, yeah, the dancing is, yeah. is a lot more prominent. They actually make it the, I, I guess, not if not the main thing of the, the movie, one of the main ones for sure. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned her basically innate ability, her inborn ability to connect with this whole thing, and yeah. they give more backstory about her. I think she's some sort of not an Amish, she's a Mennonite. I think she says she's a Mennonite. Yeah, and, and her her mom too. Like I guess when she's dying, she says she makes a comment and said, "My daughter is like my sin to the world, or something like that. Like the most sinful thing I've done, or whatever, uh-huh. or created." Well, yeah. and and you find that out at, at the end why that is. And mm-hmm. also, I mean, this movie it's uh, you mentioned like the like the the homoerotic stuff in between women. Yeah, it's it's definitely a very a more a much more erotic film it's not overtly sexual because there's not really any nudity or any sex scenes or anything like that but yeah. but it's it's implied heavily that all this i guess sexual tension is there yeah mm-hmm. especially between susie and, and madame blanc yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. so it, it's definitely a, a different experience it's uh if you like the first one you may not like this one or you may like this one more i mean depending on how you you see things but it's a completely different experience so I'm not even. I'm not even in agreement. Yes. Oh, I um, thought you're gonna elaborate, my friend. But oh well. I mean, no. I, but but I. I don't know. Like I. I feel like yes. This one was very different than the first one. It almost feels like it's a completely different movie, which technically it is because I think they like it was just the original was inspired this one or whatever. But um. And yes, there's a lot of with the movements of like the dancing and all that the 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 breath exercises and all that it's very it is very erotic and i don't even remember the first movie having that much ballet involved into the actual scenes you know like 
it was more like, oh yeah, they're ballet dancers, but that's not what's important here. What's important is that there's these witches. And over here it was more like, oh yeah, like ballet is really, really tied into our coven and what we do and our practices or whatever, which I appreciated because it was, there was some balance, you know, like, mm-hmm. but again, in the first one, that wasn't the point. The point was something else, but I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I feel like, yeah, they were, they're, they're very different, but they're both really good. I think the whole ballet thing is an extension of their powers more than anything. Cause like you say, they incorporate that into their rituals. So you see that when, in that scene, how, you know, uh, that really gory scene oh yeah in cool. which that girl was getting all contorted and and uh-huh. folded onto herself and everything like that you see madame blanc touching susie's hands and feet and yeah. in a way i think that's that gave her the ability to con- to psychically connect with the other girl and uh-huh. whatever movement she was performing her the other girl's body would do the same kind of it was like reacting in the because like there's I, I was trying to figure it out i watched this movie twice so I was trying to figure out that part. And I think it's every time Susie did a movement, it was like she was throwing punches at this girl. She was reacting to the force given by that movement. Uh-huh. It was in in response to it. Because at first I did think too that it was like she was just copying the movements, but then I paid, maybe part of it she is, and then other parts like she's kind of getting like, it's her getting beat up by mm. these like, karate chops and artistic form you know like <laughs> <laughs> well but yeah and cool. speaking of which uh, i was perplexed by this movie more so more so than i usually am by watching movies but i wanted to see if i had missed anything because i felt like i did yeah when i watched it and i went into imdb and i found some interesting stuff and it says that the girl that played that dancer yeah she's actually a professional dancer and contortionist so it really is her doing all those moves it's not a stunt double that's crazy or anything so it's her and the director himself is quoted as saying that the only things that are cgi is like the blood and some of the facial expressions when they extend her face yeah i don't know if you you caught that moment where her face or her smile kind of just like yeah opens up real wide that part I'm, i'm believing was more than likely cgi but most he said that most of that scene maybe like 90 percent 95 percent of that scene is is just the actress doing those moves on her own and it's to me that's really amazing it's like how can anybody uh, fold their body like that? <laughs> it's crazy dude like yeah it was it was a really intense scene for sure and it was very like exorcisty yeah uh-huh and then of course they come and pick her up with those hooks and that was like oh my god like, oh. oh yeah i was like really dude like a piece of meat that's messed up uh, that's basically what she ended up becoming, really. Oh well, yeah, that's true. I mean, a bag of meat, really. And let's, let's step back, step back for a little bit and talk about the music, because I, I thought it was kind of interesting that the soundtrack was composed in large part by the singer from Radiohead, Tom York. Oh yeah, uh huh. Um, that caught me by surprise completely, because I mean, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of Radiohead. I only look maybe like two, three songs from them. Uh huh. And it's not that I don't like their music, I just never really had a chance to listen to it. And now that I have no time, but some men, you know, even less. <laughs> but um, I, I kind of have an idea what they sound like. And this soundtrack, I mean, it kind of just caught me completely off guard, dude. But I mean, it's cool that he's dwelling, like, you know, uh, dabbling into that, I guess. Right. It was cool. I mean, the music was 
it was pretty good. You know, last episode we mentioned that it's not very common that musicians or bands are called to do soundtracks, and here's this guy pulling me wrong. Right, uh huh, <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's cool. I mean, for for people that are fans of his, uh, check it out. I mean, check out the soundtrack if if you like his music. I will go back and listen to it. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Radiohead by any means, but I mean, that doesn't really mean that I can't enjoy this. Right. But anyway, and well, going back to the actors, uh, we mentioned how that girl was the one doing all her own moves and everything, and that's pretty amazing. I think that's uh-huh. incredible. I can't conceive of anybody doing that, and be okay with themselves as far as like this this doesn't hurt i'm, I'm fine I'm, yeah i'm just stretching my back here guys don't worry i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i know up. it looks like uh, my bones are popping out and it's a little weird but it's it's fine I, I'm, I'm not in pain at all yeah but i wanted to talk about dakota johnson the the main susie the main actress oh yeah because i had no idea she was in this movie yeah to me all she's done really is the the shades of gray movies which i haven't seen because i'm not a fan of that kind of stuff yeah, no, she's done other stuff too. She's uh, pretty good. So I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of, I don't want to say biased, but I don't want to watch those movies because I haven't read, I haven't read the books. Yeah, well, I mean, the Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. I never watched them either. Do honestly, it doesn't appeal to me. I was very disappointed with the Twilight stuff, <laughs> and I like Twilight, I really do. But the books compared to the actual movie. Nah, and then I feel like the same thing's probably gonna be with with the Fifty Shades, which is why I never watched it. And it's just, I don't know, man. Like, I don't just don't see the hype, mm-hmm. I guess. So I've never seen it. Yeah, I mean, either honestly, I mean, if I want to watch that type of content, I know where to find it, and I know where to look. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, for for the innocent people in the audience, there, I'll just say that. <laughs> My friend caught my my drift right away. Yeah. <laughs> but on top of that, since you mentioned Twilight, I I read somewhere I don't know how true this is that the Shades of Grey books are actually or were, and allegedly conceived as Twilight fan fiction at first. What? So the people in the books, you know, uh, I don't know the names of the characters, yeah. but, but the girl and the guy are supposed to be Bella and Edward. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and then since you know this this lady's like well if i publish this i'm gonna get a copyright suit right. so she changed the names and a couple of things and we now we have the shades of great stuff you know okay so. <laughs> I, mean... I mentioned dakota because allegedly she studied ballet for over two years to prepare herself for this uh-huh this movie was in pre-production for a long time maybe about three or four years from what i read so uh, at one point, Natalie Portman was supposed to be the lead in this, and then she ended up dropping out because it never got made, so she, she had other stuff to do. Yeah. So they picked up Dakota Johnson, and she says that she had to go to therapy after this because she she just felt like really it was a really exhausting shoot. Mila Kunis said a similar thing too when she did Black Swan. She had to be a certain weight because of that's the way the ballerinas mm-hmm. are built. And she wasn't even eating, really. Like, it was all, like, cigarettes and coffee, you know, like, mm-hmm. black coffee. She couldn't drink sugar or whatever. So when people, actors, like, immerse themselves in these roles, it takes a lot out of you, dude. The way you are, you know, like, in every in every sense of it, like, it's a, it takes a toll on, on people. Right. You're pre- literally pretending to be somebody else, and it's not... Uh-huh. 
best thing always yeah i mean that in itself can i, I can imagine it can be exhausting as well but, but then people like her for example like two years of, of ballet classes i mean that's gotta take dedication dude oh yeah dude and then uh -huh. a person like christian bell for example that's known for being a, a really character actor he he really goes in and uh, above and beyond for the role at some point for that movie the machinist i think it's called he lost like a hundred like a hundred pounds or something so it's like yeah he's dude. Emaciated. it's like wow dude that's 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 a lot of dedication for that yeah and even and right after he did i don't know if it was the, ba the batman movie or whatever like dark knight but he had to gain all that weight back and yeah. it was crazy like they do amazing things dude like she just felt mentally exhausted after all this um, yeah i mean the, the subject matter is is dark and then her character is, is turns out to be dark as well at, at the end we find right. out who she really is and i mean it was very uh, this may sound wrong but i i thought it was uh, for me very visually appealing when she was doing those moves <laughs> oh well yeah I guess, that, I guess that was the whole point because it, it's it's meant to be really erotic and sexual and i was like that's weird but in a way it's i i couldn't stop watching it it was weird like yeah i don't know how that sounds but it's it's like i guess the intensity that she was giving the uh, performance I was, yeah i was like wow like what is like is that really her and and yeah i mean from what i learned after the fact is that she really learned how to do all these things on her own so it's like wow like yeah. so it, that, those scenes of her dancing were really visually appealing and uh i mean I, I guess that that whole erotic component is you know part of it uh-huh but yeah it was just really intense and then the lady that plays the doctor's wife she's actually og zuzi from the original you know that scene where, where the doctor finds his wife in the in the house whatever and he's walking with her and across yeah. town whatever that actress is the original og susie i knew i knew she looked familiar wow that's cool i mean 40 years after the fact you know so she's in her 60s yeah. by then i think or 70s even maybe yeah that's crazy wow. the old guy dude that was all <laughs> like who was he because i was gonna look it up because that old this did not it looked like it was fake like you mean the doctor yeah okay so who's, who's the actor who's the actor for it's that? gonna blow your mind dude all right tell me it was tilda swinton no it was her what That's, no wonder her voice was so high okay <laughs> wow yeah i was like dude i have a feeling it might be a woman and i was like waiting for the reveal i'm like he's gonna be one of the three witches of the the main, you know, the main <laughs> yeah. OGs, right? And no, he's just some old guy. But it, like, I mean, technically, he was one of the OGs because the yeah. actress that was playing that <laughs> character was him. That's crazy, dude. So, I, I mean, knew it was fake. Speaking of intense performances, right? Tilda Swinton plays three characters in this film. So she plays. So, Madame... so she plays the Marco Marcus. She she too? plays Madame Blanc. She plays the doctor, and she also plays Helena Marcus. The... nice damn girl she better be getting paid for every role like <laughs> each separate that's I mean, cool imagine the intensity how and how mentally psychically demanding it is to like you said yeah. put yourself in another person's shoes and pretend you're them for months right and, that by... yeah, okay, yeah memorize all these lines and also try to project them in a way that's maybe not the way you feel about things personally uh -huh. but i mean you're playing a role so you have to yeah so this lady did three of them right <laughs> what an amazing woman i mean to me that's that's wow like props to like honestly like shout yeah. out to, to the swinton because that was to me like 
the, one of the highlights of this. When I found out it was her, I was like, nah, no way, can't. Pause. And then I, yeah, sure enough, it was her. Damn, dude, <laughs> mega talented. Having said that, I mean, to me, the the Debbie Downer moment is that I honestly feel that the whole subplot with the Doctor wasn't really necessary for anything. It didn't really feel like it added anything to the story. It just gave more humanity to the witch, I guess. I mean, to that the lady, like to Susie. Well, what's the original name? Susie or something. Like that. Susperi I mean, the, Susperiano or whatever. Oh, the, 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 you mean the, the witch? Yeah, uh-huh. The witch it, is... It, it humanized her because, like, you know, they were doing some really messed up in that dungeon. And then she still somehow, like, showed, like, a soft part of her. Even though she's this, like, evil person. Well, I guess, I don't know if she's actually evil now. But anyway. Yeah, it was a way to be like, hey, dude, like, I respect the women and everything that they've been through because of this war. And also, um, I respect you as a person. And so I'm going to tell you the truth. Like, that was cool. They used that memory of, of his wife against him, basically. And that's how they, they got him to... Yeah. That's how they captured him, essentially. Because, I mean, he was trying to kind of investigate... Uh, what's her name? Patricia. Yeah. He was trying to investigate why she disappeared and, and where she might have gone and everything like that. And so she, he talks to the other girl. And she's like, well, no, nah, no, nah, this, this doesn't make any sense. We're not witches. I, I don't want to talk about this. So she leaves right in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. That scene. So he talks to her and she doesn't want to talk to him. She She leaves. But that was kind of like the extent of it and i mean in a way i think maybe like i said they they try to use that memory of his wife against him because he never found out what happened to her no ever like they were separated after, during the war and then after that he never heard from her again so he's still wondering if whether or not she might be alive or if, if she wasn't alive at that point if she had survived and, and managed to live somewhere else yeah so maybe he was hoping to find some sort of clue as to her whereabouts and so when they use that against him i guess the the Susie witch <laughs> yeah kinda, and hey that, that kind of makes sense because the lady is like Susperianus whatever and then she's Susie so it's like Sus, Sus ah. yeah 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 that's true <laughs> so the Susie witch character personality <laughs> I guess in a way like you said she felt sorry for him and I was like well you weren't really meant to find out any of these things and I, because she actually says, I regret what my, what my sister said to you or something like that, right? Yeah, because it was cruel. Like, they just used a man who is in pain because he cannot find his wife. Just so that he won't uncover the truth, which technically they didn't have to do that because, like, they have, they can control anybody. So, them doing that was, like, out of line. Like, even for them, <laughs> yeah. who were witches, you know, like, and they sacrificed people. Well, because but that was unnecessary. The whole point of the coven, allegedly, was that Helena Marcos was trying to find a way to bring back the witches, or at least the the Mother Suspiriamos. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm butchering that, but. Uh, and so. But that was not the case. She wanted the power for herself. Yeah. Helena Marcos. So, I guess the OG witch Suspianus reincarnated into Susie mm -hmm. and I wonder how the mother knew that she wasn't really her daughter because like you said her mother's like this is like my greatest sin against life whatever she recognized behavior and like honestly isn't she the one that got 
their hand burned or was that somebody else? I can't remember. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much going on in this movie and so many scenes that only happen for like a split second. So if you kind of turn away for a minute, you miss like a, a, a scene that may have some sort of significance later on. Yeah, because like if it is her, I don't remember seeing a scar on her hand. Neither. So uh, if it was and then her mom found out she has like healing powers or something that would have told her that in her mind she's an abomination because these people are very religious i can't have that as my child so i mean that that would make sense but i don't know if that's actually the idea because i mean i'm not really knowledgeable as to what the amish or the mennonites believe or, or what their religion is to be honest but when they give the, the backstory of Susie in the movie, the character, mm -hmm. she was raised in the Mennonite household. She mentions in passing that the Mennonites split from the Amish for mm -hmm. due to some differences in their beliefs. Yeah. That apparently the Mennonites were more liberal in their thinking or, or a little bit more relaxed to their, their, their beliefs. So maybe the mom saw that as a regret, like, oh man, I think we may have, I may have been too liberal on this and... Yeah. And now I committed the sin and I brought forth this which I mean I don't know like I'm, I'm just trying to speculate here but I'm thinking that might be the case that's why the mom kind of regretted having that child and then that scene at the end when Helena Marcos tells who she believes is still Susie to renounce her mother uh huh she's like well Biatch I am your mother <laughs> <laughs> yeah who do you think you're talking to yeah I completely turned around at her yeah. so I mean it's a lot to think about dude there's a lot I mean way too many things to to process i think maybe at some point i will watch this movie again not anytime soon though because I, I i need to kind of decompress from all this <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a very visually intense film i wasn't expecting this let's put it that way yeah i wasn't expecting it to be campy and and whatever like the first one either but i wasn't expecting it to, to go into this dark territory and bring all these themes of like religion and motherhood and mm. even the, the holocaust i mean even though that's not really a big, big part of the thing, it, it's kind of in the background, like you said, the wall and, and everything that that setting, yeah, is is part of it. But I mean, it, it's it's a very visually and psychologically interesting experience, I guess, <laughs> watching this movie. Mm -hmm. But before we conclude, I just want to say, so the witches, at one point, there's two cops they go into for questioning, right? But yeah. And then the cops just disappear and then, like nobody asks any questions about them anymore. Because full disclaimer, the version that I watched didn't have subtitles for the German lines. So I missed like half the dialogue in this movie. <laughs> and I was like kind of just trying to piece together what was happening. And that's why I said earlier that I felt like I missed a lot because literally I missed a lot of this movie. Yeah. The French part, I could, I could understand most of it, most of what they said. It's only a few lines in French, so I, I mean, I... I, I understood that, so... Mm -hmm. But the German ones, I was like, uh, what's happening? What's going on? <laughs> but at some point, there's that scene where the, the ladies, the, the the mother witches, whatever, of, of the Dance Academy kind of have a vote on something, and they vote for Helena Marcos to be their representative or something? Is that yeah. kind of... Okay. Yeah. So that, that's what I kind of gathered from that scene, and I was like, okay, it's because they're just saying her name over and over again, so I was like, okay, I guess, are, are they, like, submitting to a vote? What's happening? I, I, okay, so that, that's, that makes sense. But my question was, so the cops just disappeared and, like, nobody asked any questions? Like, where are these cops? Well, and... I mean, I don't think they disappeared. Like, they're... So, the, the old man goes at some point. 
during all this to visit the cop that he had spoken to because he's the one who sent the cop over there to investigate. And then the guy doesn't remember anything. He doesn't even remember helping him with his case with his wife. So they're there. I think they, they come, I mean, they're there in the office, but they're just kind of like, they wipe their memories. So they don't, yeah, that's what happened. So like, they don't really know or remember anything that happened in the house. Because I see, okay, because I had felt like I, I didn't ever see the cops ever again at any point. And I was like, where are they? Like, where did they go? But... Yeah, like they were there. So yeah, just that they don't really show much, but because they didn't really need to, because they're just saying, hey, we can control anybody. Whoever you send isn't going to work because we got powers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that was one of the questions that I had lingered. Like, what happened to the cops? Because that would have brought all kinds of trouble for them. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. If the cops know that two of their agents went to this place and they never returned, like, <laughs> something's going to, like... Something's up, yeah. Yeah, they're going to open an investigation. So, okay, that, that was, like, the one question that I was like, what happened to the cops and why is no one investigating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so it, it all makes sense now. Mm -hmm. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. So, I guess we're all ready to give our rating for this movie. Uh huh. I don't know. The units that I'm gonna give. <laughs> how many out of ten? Ninja Tilda Swintons. Nice. <laughs> Are you giving this? I'm gonna go with an eight. An eight. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a six, only because, like I said, I feel like a lot of this movie. I was not really as engaged with or as uh, drawn to. Like, for example, that whole backstory with the doctor, I, I didn't think that was necessary, to be honest. Yeah. They could have easily, I think, cut about 45 minutes of this film and it would have been probably... Equally good. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think, me personally, I mean. So, your 8 and my 6 average to a 7. I mean, it's not bad. Wait. Mm -hmm. 7 ninja... Tilda Swinton's out of 10. And, I mean, one last question. Like, am I talking to Monica or am I talking to Tilda Swinton? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, am I talking to Monica, my friend that I've known for years, or are you, in fact, Tilda Swinton playing the role of Monica for this podcast? That's <laughs> <laughs> just good old me. Okay, so making sure, my friend. What if I'm Tilda Swinton? Ah. <laughs> How's, how you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm never going to be able to watch any movie and like not think that she's not playing a part in it. <laughs> wow. I mean, you can tell when somebody's wearing old people makeup. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, like... But yeah, she did pretty good. I think she did it's amazing. That's amazing. I think she did amazing, especially like in, in her Madame Blanc thing. I, th I think she did really good. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. she's I, a great I always, I've always liked her job as an actress. She, I, I think she's yeah. she's a really well-rounded performer. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And quick side note: I don't know if you've seen The Dead Don't Die or The Dead Can't Die or something like that. It's a zombie movie. Oh, zombie! No. Yeah, it's with Bill Murray and uh, Kylo Ren. What? Yeah. So, and then Tilda Swinton plays a role in that film, and it kind of felt like me like with this and I, I bring that up because in that movie she plays a mortician uh-huh right and then in the end it turns out that she's an actually an alien <laughs> what yeah this, so it, it's 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 crazy and that whole movie I mean we, we might have to do that movie at some point because it's, it's kind of its own little thing it's, it's like a satire of the zombie genre nice 
But uh, yeah, so that was our critique segment in which we gave this film 7 out of 10 Ninja Tilda Swinton's. Ooh. So, any final comments, my friend, before we move on? Nope. Alright, awesome. So, we shall be right back with our academic segment after these messages. Okay, Monica, and the audience. So, in this podcast, if you happen to be a first-time listener, we have something called an academic segment, which is the one we are currently at. And basically, in this part of the podcast episode, what we try to do is find a way to connect something from the movie into something that actually takes place or took place in real life uh-huh. or something like that <laughs> so i actually found out when i was reading all the information about this movie that there actually existed a movement in ballet called expressionist dance my friend mm-hmm. yeah that, that this film took heavy inspiration for when it came to the dance scenes yep so because i'm not an expert by any means so by any extent of the word but i had never would have never imagined that ballet was this intense and this physical and this um visceral and sexualized i mean i will you when i picture ballet i think really graceful delicate movements and pirouettes and dancing and really soft and gentle but and this happened to be the exact opposite of that to my point of view yeah it's because there's different types of ballet there's like different different versions of it uh uh-huh. so levels to it maybe i'm thinking of like the stereotypical portrayal of ballet in movies yeah and stuff like the that. classical classic classic ballet yeah but you know there's a lot more especially with dance involved like there's different genres of it different styles so Uh it's pretty cool so basically this movement of dancing called expressionist dance according to our trusty source wikipedia originated in the year 1900 and it was kind of a way of separating themselves from like you said from the classical Mm -hmm. style of ballet yeah so this style was allegedly meant to be more free more open more natural with less rules mm-hmm. and its highest point was until just about the beginning of world war ii mm-hmm. because by that point i mean of course the germany came into power the the nazi party and they kind of frowned upon all this because they kind of wanted to control everything i guess right mm-hmm. so that's when this movement kind of started to taper off i mean it's still around but essentially, its highest point was anywhere between the early 1900s to roughly the 1930s, 1940s. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was meant to be like an avant-garde thing. A, yeah. Kind of a way to rebel against the establishment, so to speak. I mean, mm-hmm. so these dancers, there's a couple of names here that, that kept popping up. The name of uh, Olga, Olga Desmond, excuse me. Mm-hmm. She happened to be one of the most prominent people that, that developed this style. And then the dancer named Mary Wickman, which I'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about this so far? I think it's awesome. I mean, not that it declined after all that, but that they were rebelling against the establishment. Yeah. So, they're kind of like the rock stars of the early 1900s? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. Very punk rock of them too. Oh yeah, <laughs> alternative for sure. <laughs> I, I, I mean, respectfully, of course. I mean, it's just that. I mean, isn't it interesting how there's always movements in art, whether it's dance or visual arts, painting, sculpture, or mm-hmm. movies or music, of course, that always try to kind of stick it to the to the man, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's because they're literally all those things are made for rich people the majority of it you know like <laughs> films and like art uh-huh. i mean i don't know it makes sense in my head right now <laughs> no i mean it actually made sense to me too yeah and that's because i'm not quite drunk yet but which by the way mm-hmm. i am drinking for the first time <laughs> something i'm not drinking for the first time ever i'm drinking this beer for the first time uh, let me just get the can here. This is called Buenos Tiempos Mexican Style Lager from Belching Beaver Brewery. Interesting. So endorsement deals, guys, right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like this brewery. They they make some really awesome stouts. I like stouts myself. The, mm-hmm. This one is more of like a Dos Equis type of beer, but mm. it's a little a little tiny bit creamier or, or heavier okay. than that. Just a tiny little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I, I of course doused it with lime and salt, but. <laughs> but yes. Um, anyways, back back to the topic here at hand. Um, I always thought it was interesting how, like I mentioned earlier, that artists find a way to express their their opposing views to whatever they consider the establishment or whatever. So it's pretty cool, dude. Mm-hmm. It happened with, you know, of course the, the main one in the in the past century was punk rock, and that's why. It was, and I mean, like the original punk rock from like the seventies. Yeah. Because when people speak of punk rock now, they think of like Blink-182 and right. bands like that, Green and Day. Green Day, yeah. and not that there's anything wrong with those bands per se, but that's not kind of like not where punk was at in the very, very beginning. It was meant to be really raw and visceral and anti-government and yeah. screw the, the precedent and, you know, death to the rulers, you know, but, I mean, in, in its own way. Yeah. And in a way, I guess that's kind of what it was. I mean, just kind of tearing away from that really like what I had I guess in my mind what I mentioned the perception perception that I had of ballet of it being real delicate and artistic mm-hmm. and pure and virginal in a way I guess which kind of makes sense why they would go for this for this movie mm-hmm. because I guess a lot of people like would, would be like me in the sense that they would picture ballet as being something really delicate and and, and stuff like that so maybe that's why they they chose to do this 180 with this yeah that makes sense as far as the expression is dance school basically one of the ideas that one of the one of the people had that developed this style was that mm-hmm. they didn't even wear shoes to dance they was just like kind of like in the movie in the yeah. movie you see susie taking off her, her dance shoes and her socks and everything it's just her and the idea was that well you're not gonna play piano with gloves on that's what the the people that developed the style would say right. so, and that makes sense because it it would kind of hinder your movements in a way right mm-hmm. so i guess they felt like they wanted to connect to the earth in a way like, yeah i mean maybe not in the sense that a weekend would but just physically yeah feel mm-hmm. the, the ground in their feet kind of yeah and so they would emphasize the natural movements breathing techniques mm-hmm. tension and relaxation depending on on what the emotion they wanted to convey through their movements were 
or was. So it was also emphasized that the dancers needed to have a strong physical body for this. Mm-hmm. So once again, I mean, I keep saying that, but but I always picture ballet dancers as being real slim and thin and real light. Yeah, but they got crazy muscles, man. Uh-huh. They do. Have you ever been to the ballet, by the way? I've been to one. And I had friends who were in ballet when I was in high school. And one of them was like very, very intense. She did a lot of um, the McAllen events that they had. Like uh, she would always be I think, the lead in the Nutcracker ballet uh-huh. thing. Yeah, that one. So she would do that a lot. Every year I think she did it. But um, dude, she had like strong legs. Like, and then I've seen documentaries of ballet play. I mean, ballet um, dancers, and especially now, like if you see their their legs and stuff, like, dude, they have like they're really strong. Their arms too. Like, they're skinny, they're thin, but they're very very strong people. Mm-hmm. It's insane. But they have to because they have to be like, you know, using their whole body basically to be, you know, up in the air and like doing these crazy movements and lasting the entire, you know, thing. Like, mm. that's a lot. That's a lot of work. I wonder if, and you know, forgive my ignorance, but I, I, once again, I, I would at some point actually like to go to a ballet. Mm-hmm. If anything, just for the experience. Yeah. But I wonder if it's like, for example, like when you go see an orchestra playing, like if let's say they're going to play like Beethoven's Fifth, whatever. Yeah. In which pretty much the orchestra has to play it pretty much note by note. Mm-hmm. There can't be any like super huge major deviations. It kind of needs to stick to the, the, sheets, the sheet music. Yeah. Is that also the case with ballet in which any time any company that you see is going to have a similar choreography or is it different depending on the... I mean, because like you said, the Nutcracker, for example, is that... Yeah similar any anywhere you see it in the world or is there differences from each I portrayal think, i think there are different versions because i mean sometimes i think there are the like the original versions but then there's like other versions that people take different approaches to mm-hmm. and they'll they'll put like revised or what like they'll put that the, that they changed it that it's not the original that it's like you know they, they made stuff or adjustments to it okay I think they have to do that because if not, then if people want to go see it, they'll be disappointed. It's like, well, you're deviating from the original. I'm just really like thinking about what I think I know, but it's not 100%, I guess, correct. I'm pretty sure different companies do different takes on on these performances and stuff, mm-hmm. or these dances or whatever. Yeah. Oh be inclined to see to thinking that they would change a few things here and there because i think it would get stale after a while if you just kind of watch it one like in one city for example and then you go to the next city and it's like the same thing i mean i i, I mean of course it's going to be minor variations here and there yeah but i mean for example like a complete overhaul mm-hmm. of things yeah i think that would kind of still be frowned upon no i think so yeah there's a lot of people that respect or they are stuck. They're respected, I guess, the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you when they see changes, then they get upset. Whether they be good or not, because, yeah, what they wanted to see was the original. What they know is that they want to see. Which I'm, I'm surprised people don't get bored. But again, it's the same thing as watching the same movie over and over again. 
Mm. It's because you really, really like it and you appreciate it. And when you see it change, like when I hear people singing live, I do get annoyed because they don't stick to the song the way that I heard it, the way that I know it. <laughs> and then I'm like trying to sing along and it can't because they switched up and went up an octave or like they like completely changed the pace of the whole song. So it's like not even the what I came to hear. So I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Like, I mean... No shade to like Blink One Eighty Two, but like they have some live songs on Spotify that I don't even know how they ended up on my playlist because I have all the original, all the, the recorded stuff. And every now and then I'll see the title, I'm like, oh cool, I like the song, and then it's like the live version, and then he's like, they're sw- they're switching it up. I can't I can't keep up <laughs> with the changes, and I I don't have a good time. I don't want to deal with this right now. I just want to tune everything out and just <laughs> sing along some music that I already know by memory. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I can understand it for sure, I guess. It's the point of this whole rant. So, um, uh, you know, long story short, Monica gets anxiety from live music. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to the script, please. I came here to listen to a specific song. Ugh. I'm all for creativity, but come on, man. Tickets are expensive, you know. Like it came for a certain thing. I used to be kind of like that, but then I became a little bit more open-minded. I, I, there are some live songs that I think are, dare I say, better, better than the originals. Uh, but yes, I, I found those too, but yeah. But it's rare. Yes, it definitely is. I mean, yeah. At, at some point, I mean, I wouldn't want to go see, for example, a band that I like in your case, and then if it's like a rock band or something, and then have them play like a rap song in the, like in the middle of like I mean, it's, it's like. <laughs> It could be cool if they do it right, but I mean, yeah, I see your point, so. Mm-hmm. I yeah. guess we're getting old, my friend. Yes, yeah, that's one of the signs, <laughs> I think, you know. You we start are... developing an intolerance for change. <laughs> <laughs> we're old people screaming at clouds here. Yeah. <laughs> is this what happens when we age? We just get so, like, what is the word? Bitter about. <laughs> yeah. Dude, oh, I'm so, like, I'm not negative, I'm just, and it's not bitter, it's like a synonym. I'm gonna go crazy this entire, this is the night so I figure out the damn word. <laughs> well, I'll maybe try to jar your memory with my, my okay. point, you know, here, but. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of, of the ballet again, going back to it, the uh-huh. name that kept popping up a lot was Mary Wickman. So, Mary Wickman started her dance studies in a place and i'm gonna butcher this because these are like foreign names so please excuse me so she studied uh with a person named rudolf laban uh-huh. in his dance school and then so she was there for for a few years and then she moved to a different city and actually switzerland to a different country actually so she started to develop the expressionist dance which she called new german dance because she was a german citizen uh-huh. And she meant this to break away from the traditional constraints of, of ballet. So she wanted her dance style to be an expression of desire, passion, and inspiration. So she was also actually very interested in how people related to the universe, the cosmos. Okay. And she wanted to basically portray those forces that surrounded us through her dance style. Mm-hmm. 
so it was meant to elicit or cause a reaction based on what you were watching. Uh huh. And she meant for any movement that was part of of a specific choreography to actually express a true feeling. So it wasn't just the dancer playing a part because oh I'm supposed to be the nutcracker or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, it's like you're dancing in this choreography because you really feel. And so they're they're basically encouraged to improvise quite a bit. Okay. There's a lot of bouncing, jumping up and down, falling, dropping, like in the movie where she's kind of just like, it's mm-hmm. gonna sound crude, but she's basically humping the floor. Right. Right. So basically, that's that's kind of what they were going for, or what she was going for, Mary Wickman with her style. So what do you think about this? I think it's cool. I like it, the expression of emotions and um, trying to convey all these deep, deep feelings. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I like it. So, if I may ask you a personal question, my friend, how do you express your emotions through art or through something like that? Would you say it's through your writing? Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> most of the time I just hold it in. <laughs> uh, but yes, writing is a good way for me to do that. I think all of us, in a way, find a way to release that inner energy that we have through something. I mean, some people play sports, football, soccer, volleyball, whatever. I binge watch Netflix. That helps me. That is your special talent? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can watch Netflix all day and judge the shows and, like, yell at the TV. <laughs> I found the word, by the way, that I was looking for. Okay. Cynical. 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 Yeah. We're very, I specifically am very cynical about life. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are, my friend. At my yeah 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 <laughs> I really am. I, mean, I don't mean to talk crap about you, but I'm because I'm, <laughs> but I'm yeah, agreeing with you because it's true. Yeah, I am very cynical. I'm done. I'm done. It kind of ties into what I was trying to say that I think all of us find a way to express that frustration or emotion, whatever yeah. it is that we're feeling, through some sort of outlet, whether it's sports, music, writing, painting, sculpting, running. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you run. Ride a bike, yeah. whatever it is. I mean, I think we all have to find something like that to help us cope with whatever reality is throwing at us. Because if we don't, I mean, imagine, dude. Dude, I wish I was the person that coped with things by going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I I stuff my face instead, and I binge watch Netflix. I, mean, I used to before this whole mess started, and now I don't want to be around anybody because yeah, I don't know where they've been at. <laughs> I know, dude. It's made. I mean, I already distrusted people in general, but it's been made it so much worse. My anxiety got really bad too. Well, hopefully, we're almost at the downslope of this horrible nightmare, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I, I would hope. I would imagine that by this point, I mean, it's almost going to be two years. So hopefully, hopefully. Well, I mean, what was it like during the Spanish flu? It was about two, three years actually that it went that it was well, doing its thing. So. Worst case scenario, we have to two more years to deal with this. <laughs> Hopefully not, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and again, this all ties in with with the whole point of her her dance style, her developing that dance style rather was that she wanted to express all that stuff, and you gotta keep in mind the time period that she was living in. She was living in a time period where it's a lot of wars going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, World War One was happening around this time. 
Mm-hmm. Then the Russian Revolution, all these things had happened in Europe in that time period, and then World War Two, for example. I mean, the, imagine dude, like the, the anxiety of living through two of those, not just one. Mm-hmm. World War One and two. I mean, imagine like the mental anguish that you went through. Like it's just. Mm-mm. So somebody born in the year nineteen hundred, and uh-huh. assuming they lived to the year two thousand. I was like, wait, we were born in the 1900s. I was. No, no, but like, <laughs> but I mean, like in the actual year 1900. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, because like there's kids that think if I say I'm from 1990, they're like, oh, you're from the 1900s. <laughs> That's how old we are. You're old. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> no, I mean that's what they would say to you because I mean. Everything that you go through during your life, I mean, it's just crazy, man. Like what we're going dude, through right now, it's it's. I yeah, dude. I saw a TikTok of some kid posting that his high school did a 2000s themed day. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that was like 20 years ago. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> oh my god, dude. 2000s, and they were dressed like Nelly, you know, like <laughs> like that type of style. That that's that's. Like oh, Destiny's okay. Child. We're we're a theme now. That's insane. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm a little but, older than you, but I mean, we're basically from the same generation. I'm just kind of like in one end of it, and you're in the other end of it, basically. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I saw that TikTok and I saw the 2000s thing, and I was like, we thought we we thought that was cool when <laughs> <laughs> I was in school, like. It's just weird having kids now recreate something that I lived through. It's, 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 I imagine how people from the 70s <laughs> feel. Oh, when we were doing that? Or, or the, yeah, or the <laughs> 50s. Do they look at, I mean, because I look at the 2000s thing and be like, oh my God, that's so cringe. Like, do old people from the 50s look at people who dress up like that and like, or like, Oh, cringe. You know, like, obviously <laughs> nah. they wouldn't use that word because that's not in their vocabulary, but. <laughs> They'd be, nah, I think they would actually be nostalgic about it. I think when we get to be their age in about 30 more years, when we look back to the 2000s, we're going to be like, oh, that was so cool. <laughs> I miss that. I'm just, I'm just going to be like, these kids don't even know. They don't even know. Like, hmm. yeah, wow. <laughs> wow. So. My. Yeah, no, I'm not even going to keep talking about the funniest stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so basically, uh, going back to Mary Wigman here and, and her... I mean, this, this whole conversation started because of, of her developing a, a a style of expression through her dance. Oh, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's how we got to the this whole thread <laughs> of conversation. So don't feel so bad, my friend. And so, basically, she, it says that she started performing in the late 1910s, so like early 1920s. And her first few concerts were not very well received. I mean, everyone was like, "What? what is this? What is this horrible thing that we're mm-hmm. watching here? So, like, any cultural movement, they didn't get it. Yeah. The first people that were witness to this, they were like, what is this? Like, this is so different. We don't like it. But she persisted. She kept performing and performing. And then eventually she started getting more recognition. Mm-hmm. And people actually started liking this. And they started kind of branching out different people started taking those ideas and, and applying them through their own dance companies across the world. So she made a huge difference as far as, a, a huge impact rather, mm-hmm. as far as the whole dancing thing. And the last thing that I, that I have here is that 
she would often accompany that with world music, so kind of like New Age, I guess. And also a lot of non-Western instruments, so instruments, for example, from India, Thailand, Africa, and China. And also she would employ silence as opposed to anything else. So part of the, the movement was choreographed to foreign instruments, and then part of it was just kind of in silence. Interesting. You always kind of picture dancing, you need some sort of beat to go with it, but in, yeah. in, in her choreographies, she would also employ silence. I mean, that's kind of powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not you're not needing of any other aid, you know, like, it's literally all them. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then eventually she would actually uh, hire composers, like actual music, music composers, to help her develop mm-hmm. the music style. So, so then if that, that's also something that started becoming more popular after she did it, so. Nice. She sounds like a OG, my friend. I don't know. I like her. Yep, I agree. I like her a lot. So, what do you think about this? I think it's awesome. Is what I think. Um. I mean, the cool thing is that that she actually got to see how her ideas developed and how they influenced other people. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool, I think. I mean, imagine if you do something in your life and you realize that, you know, as you get older, other people are picking up in it and, you know, kind of taking your ball and running with it and other ideas or other creations that are also... Yeah, it's like, uh, flare yoga pants, you know? <laughs> we thought they weren't that great after we found the skinny ones and then... Well, back then they were just called yoga pants. Now they're flare yoga pants. Because <laughs> they're wide-legged. And kids in their teens are using them now thinking they discovered something new and it's nice to be like yeah and the same thing with flare jeans it's like y'all didn't know the struggle of showing up at school on a rainy day and the first half bottom half of your jeans is soaked in water because your jeans touch the floor so that gets absorbed and you gotta walk the entire day with wet pants um, so when skinny jeans came along, we're like, yay, problem solved. No more wet jeans. Um, <laughs> that's why we're obsessed with them, by the way, because we went through the struggle of having flare, flare pants. <laughs> yeah. We had w- extra wide flare too, you know, so you, it looked like you were walking on stilts. Mm-hmm. I like the direction that you took my idea in. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you would be given like, yes, you know, like I'm going to write a story or something and people are going to read it and uh, no, you're like, no, the, the flare pants. No, yeah. <laughs> I, and honestly, next to that is just like teaching, like teaching some kid how to do something or helping them, tutoring them and then seeing them evolve and grow from that experience mm-hmm. and learning what they were struggling with in the first place that's very rewarding and i know that that's why people become teachers because that feeling dude it's not anything can just give it to you it's very like wholesome i don't know it's amazing it's a huge serotonin boost but yeah uh, and i've had moments like that before i mean of course i worked with, with students for a long time almost nine years give or take so I had a few moments like that where, where I would eventually run in, into them and I had a couple that actually studied psychology because they, t- they talked to me and like, oh, I, I majored in psychology because I talked to you about it and I was like, oh, that's awesome, thank you. Oh, that's I, cool. I, I, I am not responsible for you ruining your life, but <laughs> <laughs> for not being able to find a job anywhere. <laughs> right. Don't blame me. Yeah, blame no, but 
but it's cool. And then I've had other moments where um, I actually had somebody. I, I work in a music store nowadays, mm. selling instruments that you know for kids and stuff, or for anyone really. But I had one of the former students that I had a long time ago come in, and and he didn't say that he picked up the guitar because of me because he had already he was already playing. Mm-hmm. But that one time, and I feel bad because I mean I I remember the kid, but not too well because I only you know taught him for a year or whatever mm-hmm. but he said yeah you know one time I took my guitar to school and, and you showed me a, a, how to play a song and ever since then I became hooked to it and I was like oh that's, that's awesome and, ah, yes, you know, but, and now he's really good yeah so I mean in a way it's, I'm, I'm not saying that I influenced make him them that, yeah. yeah I didn't make them who they are but in a way I mean he said it himself he's like yeah dude like you know because I saw you play the guitar like the way you were playing it and that made me want to play it like that like yeah. good like I wanted to become good at it because I saw how you were playing and I was like well thank you I mean that's that's a really great feeling dude like I mean, even if it's just that one person that tells you that yeah it's like man you know like tear ah. yeah I know <laughs> I know dude I know I know I know I get you yeah so I mean yeah like I always want to think about her like like she actually got to see how her ideas became this whole movement across the world and, and how other people took that ball and ran with it and developed their own schools of dance so that I mean that, that must have been a great feeling for her yeah all mm-hmm. that inspiration is pretty cool mm-hmm. so you got any final comments my friend before we close off our segment here mm, no all right so that was our academic segment we hope you enjoyed learning about mary wickman and german expressionist dance when it comes to ballet so we'll be right back with our no thine any segment after these messages Okay, everyone, so we are now at the Know Thine Ending segment, in which if you are a first-time listener, what we do here is we try to dig a little deeper as to the villains, or villain, of the topic that we're discussing and kind of explore their motivations, their background, what you can do to stop them, etc. Right, my friend? Yes, sir. Okay, so here at EMBL, we have developed a system of classification for villains with the greatest minds across history. And these villains, which happen to be Helena Marcos and the Coven, again, mm-hmm. like in the first movie, they would happen to fall into the spectral, demonic, and supernatural category, my friend. Cool. Because they are witches. And these are vicious witches compared to the first movie. Yep. They know the power they have and they like to use it, don't they? Yep, yes they do. So, they are pretty, what's that word, mischievous, I think. But, mm. more than that, because mischievous is kind of like a playful thing, in a way. Yeah. You could actually call them evil. I mean. Mm, yeah, to a, to a degree. Uh-huh, maybe that's kind of like the line between mischievous and evil. Uh-huh. 
So the backstory in this one is that Helena Marcos claims to be one of the three mothers. She or that she's connected to her. She claims to be either be herself or be connected to Mother Suspiriorum. There it is, that word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> that term. Mm -hmm. So she claims to be either her or connected to her in a way that and that because of that, the other witches in the coven need to respect her and honor her. Mm -hmm. And basically Mother Superiorum is one of the three mothers of in this universe. Mm -hmm. So it's her, and then it's uh, Mother Lacrimarum, I think, and then Mother Tenebrum, which is like the Mother of Tears and the Mother of Darkness. Yes. So it's the Mother of Tears, Darkness, and the Mother of Sighs. I mean, Suspiro in Spanish is it's a sigh. Yes. Suspirar, it's, it's to give a sigh out. Like, <sighs> that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So... They were actually supposed to be witches that roamed the earth ages ago. So they're very old, my friend. How do you think, or how old do you think Helena Marcos is? Like, looks, probably centuries old? She looks old, dude, in this movie. She looks older than the yeah. first one. Yeah. I mean, her entire body is wrinkled. There's, like, no... Yeah. She, looks like a, she looks like Jabba the Hutt, bro. Like, <laughs> like a blob. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I mean, you can you can kind of see her face and her body's kind of like a blob, like you say. And then even her eyes, she's wearing like sunglasses or dark goggles or something. Oh, yeah. Because her eyes are probably all messed up and it's dark in there, so... Yeah. I would imagine her eyes are all messed up after centuries of being exposed to the light here. Being, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think her main goal is in this movie? Is to take over or get the strength in youth from Susanna, from Susie. I don't know, like, I don't know if they were going to jump into her body or if her energy and her life was going to, like, nourish Marcos in some way. I don't really remember what the point of the ritual was. Uh-huh. I was kind of confused about that as well. And basically, I mean, that ritual is even more visceral and... I don't know, like, I don't know, I'm not... I'm going to say a word here, that, I, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, but it's kind of grotesque. Uh-huh. That whole scene, in the, at the very end, it, it's a, a red filter across. I mean, it's dark, but it's red. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you have all these ladies dancing with all these like start like strong spastic movements and they're all naked by the way they're not wearing anything mm -hmm. so it at this point it's not really erotic anymore it's kind of just grotesque in a way it, it kind of loses all that i mean it's still sexual in a way but it's not it's different yeah it's not like it was in the beginning where it's it's kind of like just kind of like the the physicality of it it's kind of uh -huh. just this is something different altogether yeah so yeah I, I was also confused as to what they were planning on doing whether they were trying to kind of absorb her energy or actually transfer her consciousness into the new body mm -hmm. yeah I don't, I don't know and i don't think they even explained that i don't think so yeah you ever seen that movie the skeleton key with uh Kate oh yeah mm-hmm I thought it was gonna be something like that. It's kind of what happens in the end of that movie, right? Where where the the witch transfers herself into Kate Hudson's body. 
Yeah. And transfers her spirit into the old body, so then Kate Hudson is stuck in the old body and she's gonna die soon, yeah. whatever, so. Huh. That's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, was, that movie was pretty good. Yeah. It's kind of like that, I guess, in a way that I, I think maybe she was trying to kind of transfer her body into the, or her consciousness, rather, into the new, younger body. Yeah. But she was in for a surprise, for sure. And basically, her powers, I mean, again, witchcraft in general, but they are much stronger, I think, than in the first one. They are... I mean, it's mind control, like, memory erasing. They can affect people's bodies through their emotions, like, or, or have somebody else use their body to affect somebody else. Think of how many crimes you can commit by doing this. If you could somehow, like... <laughs> and no one would trace it back to you, dude. Uh-huh. Yep. That would be crazy. That would be weird. <laughs> I think that is why we cannot be like the X-Men or whatever. We can't have mutant powers like that because I think the world will descend into chaos like, <laughs> literally overnight, I think. Yep. Can you imagine, really? Like, if people somehow discovered I have all these supernatural abilities that, and, like, it's not just one person, but it's several people. That'd be crazy, dude. <laughs> Complete panic. I think the world would end. Yeah, yeah. I think. Or it would feel like it, but uh -huh. yeah. I have a very bleak view of humanity. I happen to think that. You know how people say, like, oh, are people born evil or are they born good and they're they corrupt? Like, you know, I think people are born neutral, but with a high likelihood or, or a um, tendency to lean towards evil. Mm -hmm. more than good because being evil is easy I mean you can cause harm a lot more easily than you can cause good true and unfortunately a lot of people discover that that's very gratifying for them yeah and that's how you got all these toxic relationships mm -hmm. and I'm just ranting here but I mean <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it kind of connects to this because I mean for somebody like like them, for example, like Helena Marcos or the Covenant Witches, to kind of renounce good and just kind of embrace this, mm -hmm. this whole power that they, they know they can harness, I mean, it's, it's... They enjoy using it. Yeah. They're selfish about it. They they want to use this for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to find a way to make the world a better place... We want it all! <laughs> so, I guess... The main weakness for this coven is that Helena Marcos actually is not as powerful as she claims to be, and she's not who she claims to be. Mm -mm. So, she's the, a fraud. Exactly. The big reveal is that Susie is actually Mother Superior in the flesh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like the OG. Yeah. And I, I, do you think she's been this person throughout her whole life, or she was yeah. at some point possessed? No, I think she was. Her whole life, she was, cause they 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 kind of insinuated that she was different from everybody else in her uh -huh. family. She's kind of like too curious. She rebelled a little bit, so I mean that's why because 
she didn't belong there, you know? Uh-huh. Because when they gave her backstory, they always kind of portrayed her as a very, like you said, rebellious child. Uh-huh. She was obsessed with Berlin. There's that yeah. scene where she's, they're trying to teach him about geography or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the sibling is like, no, you gotta study about whatever it is we're studying about. And she's like, no, Berlin. Yeah. Berlin. Yeah. So in a way, I think, I agree with you that, that she actually was her I mean she may have she may not have been aware of it at that point mm-hmm. but she had that connection to that place already even yeah. from even from an early childhood in a place as remote as Ohio of all places right yeah completely the other <laughs> side of the world yeah I mean so she already knew about this and how would she know about Berlin or whatever it was I mean, and unless she was already being influenced by this personality mm-hmm. so what is your opinion of this coven? How how do they compare to the first one, or what do you think about them in general? They're a lot more interesting, I guess. Um, I feel like the original coven is just like they were creepy, but they weren't portrayed as very like diabolical or anything like that. And the, this one did. Like they were literally teasing a man. Like, they had him in, the, like, a trance or paralysis or whatever, like, the cop. Oh, yeah. And, they, you know, they're, like, going at his, you know... The junk. He's his junk. And I was like, dude, these chicks are crazy. Like, they're really, really malicious. I don't think any, they did anything, but still, just the fact that they have that in their heads and that they're just, like, playing with the human... That's insane. That's mm. people drunk on power, you know? Yeah, and they also do it at the end with the doctor because they have them there all naked and just yeah. as vulnerable no as you Yeah. No need to do that. And they still did it. And it was the same two ladies that were, like, taunting that cop. Mm-hmm. These people are insane. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, at least insane with power. I mean, but, but, yeah, dude, I would agree that they are more... Like you said, I like the word diabolical than in the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I think they are scarier than the other ones because the other ones, it kind of just seems like, eh, they're, they're, like maybe they don't even know what they can do yet or something in a way. Uh-huh. But it seems like the ones in this version of the film know what they can do and they enjoy using it. So yeah. mm-hmm. they, they kind of, yeah, they like to exploit those powers. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of that movie, and I can't believe it. <laughs> What's it called? Uh, the Covenant. I don't know if you ever saw it. Oh yeah, I remember that movie. Uh huh. It's kind of like Twilight, but with wizards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's isn't it weird how, in that time period, a lot of movies were like for young adults like that with like vampires or werewolves or wizards yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that was a big thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. But it's always, I feel like we grew up with that a lot. Like, every scary movie was about vampires. Mm-hmm. Or zombies. Or where, yeah. But I don't like know. younger ones, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. always, like, high school kids or whatever, teenagers. Yes. That... Uh-huh. It's weird. It's very mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, but, I mean, and I brought that movie up because in that movie, there's also, like, a faction that is drunk on power and they want all the power for themselves yeah. and whatever, you know, so... That's a connection to this rant here, but are you ready to give a rating on our scare meter for this? Comment? Yes. Mm-hmm. What is your rating, my friend? How many skulls did they get? Ten. 
tentacles? Yes, they're crazy. They're scary. I shall give them an eight because only because Helena Marcos is a fraud, like you said. Yeah. She that yeah. takes away two points from them because she's not really who she says she is, and she was very easily defeated actually by once the OG Mother Superiorum showed up. She was like, oh, "Well, this f lady can't even walk, dude. Like, you can literally just like throw her on the floor." <laughs> I mean, she did slice that lady's back with, like, her arm, and, uh -huh. like, she didn't touch her at all, and she just mm -hmm. slice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was wild. A yeah. lot of blood. So much blood. Yeah, this movie is, is pretty gory and bloody. Yeah. And, actually, I, I, mean, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but for a while, I, I was kind of, like, I'm not sure what the word that I'm looking for is, but there seemed to be this focus on urine for a while oh yeah but they never said what they did with the urine yeah right yeah so i was i was curious I was like what do they use it for like yeah there were scenes in which they 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 showed susie taking a taking you know urinating, yeah. urinating mm -hmm. and then they collected urine from people and then when the girl was being contorted she you know peter pants whatever yeah so for a while I was like, oh, man, this, this, like I was like, is this gonna focus on this for a lot? Because I'm not really <laughs> into <laughs> like, it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I was like, I mean, I guess it made me uneasy, and maybe that was the whole point of this. Like, but then, like you said, they never really explore that anymore, which I'm, I'm kind of glad for in a way. But <laughs> but in the other sense, it's like I never, you know, we never find out what it's about. So it's like, what then? What was the point of showing that so much? Yeah. That in, in the beginning, and then it never went anywhere. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so. Alright, so we gave the Coven and Helena Marcos a 9 out of 10 skulls in the screen meter. Not bad. Mm hmm. So, any final thoughts, my friend? No, just don't mess with witches because they're crazy. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. So, that was our No Thine Any segment, <laughs> and we shall be right back with the closing remarks. Woo! I mean, boo! Monica and the audience and myself we now are at the end of our podcast episode oh no I know so let's have face once again <laughs> so we want to thank everyone that took time to listen to us we hope you enjoyed this episode if you are a first time listener thank you very much we appreciate you a little more because you're <laughs> uh, picking up this podcast at this specific episode and if you happen to be a repeat listener thank you for being a faithful member of the EMBL squad Woo! so my friend uh, the question that I always ask you do you have any shout outs for this episode um 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you keep me in suspense for like a split second and then like, okay, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, my friend. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got some shout outs on my own. We got a shout out for two very awesome people out there. They are none other than Pixie and Mr. J from next on stage one podcast because their podcast is awesome it happens to be a podcast my friend about the adult entertainment industry they both are actually retired strippers so okay nice you gotta listen to them their their stories are a little they're they're out there they're kind of yeah they're very interesting so i want to give them a shout out because they may be using something that i wrote for them as their intro for their next season so Nice. Thank you guys. And even if they don't, I mean, they're awesome. So I recommend you guys, anyone out there that's listening to us, listens to them as well. So I also want to thank, by the way, the people that took time to answer our Twitter survey, which is making a comeback this week after not being a part of our podcast for a couple episodes. But Mm -hmm. now we asked, my friend, about this film, Suspiria. So what we asked is that you discover that you are the reincarnation of an ancient deity or deity so Mm -hmm. basically like susie discovers she's this ancient witch right Mm -hmm. so now you have magic powers Mm -hmm. now what do you do about your enemies slash haters so the options that we gave him was to forgive them Mm -hmm. to do nothing i mean whatever you know or Mm -hmm. to smite them to hell Yeah, the last one. You gotta smite them. Alright, so actually, that was what most people that voted for this okay. agreed on. Uh, a 17% of people, that's kind of high actually. I thought it was gonna be lower. <laughs> <laughs> Which again reflects my belief that people are actually more inclined to be evil than good. I mean, yeah. Uh, 17% said that they would forgive the, the, the enemy's transgressions against them. Mm. 15% would do nothing. They don't care one way or the other. They're like, ah, yeah, whatever, let them live. Mm-hmm. Live and let live, so to speak. And then 68% agree that, yes, smite them. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Devil face. So, <laughs> we want to thank everyone that took some time to listen or actually answer that question, sorry. So, thank you guys. You are awesome. And, well, my friend, let's remind our listeners of our social media accounts. So, now we have our Facebook under Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. And we have our Instagram under Myths Behind LGDS. Our Twitter is Myths Behind LGDS, and you can also email us at mythsbehindlegends at gmail.com. All right, and our Linktree is making a comeback. You just go to linktree.com slash mythsbehindlgds, and on there you can find all of our social media links, including our Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, our Anchor profile, and last but not least, our online store. So browse that, buy a shirt, buy a coffee mug, buy a pint glass, whatever it is you want to buy. It's under. <laughs> so, yes, and our TikTok is under, by the way. So, which, if you just want to go to TikTok directly, it is also it is under, excuse me, Myths Behind Legends. And uh, I actually posted a video of the, <laughs> the warehouse at work. Dude, uh-huh. It was scary because I was up there and it was almost closing time. Uh-huh. So I was going to find something for a customer, right? And I'm walking under and somebody turns the lights off because it's already going to be closing time. So 
Uh-huh. They thought nobody was there. Oh, but no. I was there. So I'm walking and they turn the lights off and I'm like, ah. So <laughs> then I, I got the the idea at, at the spur of the moment that I was going to just kind of do a, a TikTok video of uh-huh. me walking around at, in the dark. And I put like ghost caught on tape, whatever, and I put a screamer at the end. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, nice. yeah, we're trying to create content like that for you guys on TikTok. So follow us under and our infamous website, which is under myths hyphen behind hyphen legends dot mailchimp sites dot com Woo. <laughs> <laughs> a little delayed but it came <laughs> thank you my friend so the next episode monica i shall do the hint for this one because hopefully things work out we are going to collab with somebody on the next one mm-hmm. and it is the beginning of spooky season October so we got some stuff planned out for you guys out there in the audience Uh, special episodes collaborations and let's just say that we're gonna collaborate with someone and we're gonna do we're not gonna do a movie or anything like that we're gonna do something kind of Halloween oriented I guess so some scary stories for you guys out there Uh, and let's just leave it at that for now all right So, my friend, you got any final comments on Suspiria or anything like that before we leave the audience be? I don't think I would ever want to join ballet now because apparently (laughs) there's a trend of witches there. Nope. (laughs) So, yes. uh, Thank you very much once again for taking time to listen to our episode. Feel free to browse our library of past episodes. There's about 60 of them right now. Just stay away from episode one, please. Do not listen to that one ever until we give you the okay, right, my friend? Yes. Because mm-hmm. the episode shall be redone, hopefully, in the near future. Yeah. Very near future. So, yeah. That was our episode. Want to wish everybody a great evening, morning, and madrugada. Like Monica says, stay away from ballet schools. They're bad for your health. <laughs> don't go anywhere near them Uh, until then be good to everyone, to yourselves to each other and have a good one bye